You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Alfred Beauvais, president of the American College of Cardiology. Results of a recent study may change the standard of care for patients with acute coronary syndromes. In patients for whom an invasive strategy is planned for treating their acute coronary syndrome, which antiplatelet therapy is the most effective at preventing coronary events without increasing bleeding? Our guest today is Dr. Greg Stone, Professor of Medicine and Director of Research and Education at the Center for Interventional Vascular Therapy at the Columbia University Medical Center and Director of Medical Research and Education at the Cardiovascular Research Foundation in New York City. Welcome, Dr. Stone. Thank you. It's great to be here. You know, I've looked at your uh, editorial, and we're talking about the study of comparing Tigagrelor with Clopidogrel. I guess one of the first things is, what are the antiplatelet therapy options that we now have for patients with acute coronary syndromes? We're in a very exciting time right now, I think, in our approach to patients with acute coronary syndromes, which, by the way, really is unstable angina, non-ST segment elevation, myocardial infarction, and ST segment elevation, myocardial infarction. And frankly, while there are some subtleties and distinctions between those three, we pretty much treat them all the same. And we've learned that for the majority of patients, an early invasive approach, that is a rapid trip to the cath lab to define the coronary anatomy and then revascularization as appropriate with either percutaneous coronary intervention or surgery will improve outcomes for the majority of patients. But then it becomes very, very important to support those patients with appropriate antiplatelet and antithrombotic agents. And specifically regarding antiplatelet agents, aspirin has been for many, many years the standard treatment. And of course, that goes unchanged and unchallenged. But then with the introduction of first ticlopidine and then clopidogrel, we have the new class of ADP antagonists these drugs that interfere, bind to the P2Y12 integrin receptor of the platelet and inhibit platelet activation through a different pathway than aspirin does. And it was shown in the seminal CURE trial that adding clopidogrel to aspirin in patients with acute coronary syndromes, either those that are treated medically or with an invasive strategy, uh, reduces the overall composite endpoints of death, myocardial infarction, and other adverse ischemic events. At a cost of a modest increase in bleeding. So this has been really now the standard for, uh, oh gosh, probably about the past eight to 10 years or so, but we've still been looking for better antiplatelet agents. And there are certain limitations of first ticlopidine and now clopidogrel, which is the standard, most notably in that it's a prodrug and it needs to be converted, metabolized in the liver principally to the active metabolite. And also, patients are variably responsive to the drug. So some patients have a significant amount of ADP-induced platelet inhibition, while other patients have almost no response whatsoever to the drug. And in addition, the one other limitation is that it irreversibly binds to the P2Y12 receptor. So it shuts off the platelet for the lifetime of the platelet, which is, you know, for the most part, five to seven or ten days. And so if you've given this drug, we've learned that if you send somebody, for example, to coronary bypass graft surgery within the first five days of having gotten the drug, their likelihood of bleeding is significantly increased. And so we usually recommend waiting at least five days. So people have been trying to develop better thianapyridine or other P2Y12 agents that will either non-reversibly inhibit the platelet, 
ADP-induced platelet uh, inhibition, or will act more rapidly or more consistently so you don't have patients that are hyporesponsive. Okay, that's a great summary. And it goes without saying, and I think you've emphasized it in your Lancet editorial, that one of the background events that occurs in an acute coronary syndrome is a really hyperactive platelet response. So this is the right way to target this. Exactly. We know that in acute coronary syndromes, platelets are activated. They're turned on. They're hyperactivated and they aggregate more than normal. The 2B3A receptor is markedly upregulated. And that's why glycoprotein 2B3A receptor antagonists are so effective in reducing ischemic events. However, at the cost of a significant increase in bleeding and thrombocytopenia. So when you add on top of that angioplasty or with stent implantation, which further activates platelets and gives you a risk of platelet-mediated stent thrombosis, we have a very great mandate to be able to effectively target ADP-induced platelet activation. And that's what all these new agents are looking to do. So we've recently heard about the PLATO trial, the platelet inhibition and patient outcomes trial, that compared ticagrelor with clopidogrel in acute coronary syndrome. Can you tell us a little bit about that and some of the issues related to improved cardiovascular outcome versus bleeding, for example? Well, we now have two alternatives to clopidogrel, one of which is approved in the United States, and that's prasugrel, which is also a cyanopyridine, and it is more potent than clopidogrel. It also irreversibly inhibits the platelet P2Y12 receptor, and it basically overcomes all of the platelet hyporesponsiveness issues. And it was shown, this drug, that is prasugrel, was shown in a large randomized trial called the Triton trial, that it is more effective than is clopidogrel in acute coronary syndromes in patients undergoing angioplasty in inhibiting myocardial infarction and stent thrombosis. Unfortunately, it also significantly increased bleeding, both non-bypass surgery-related bleeding, bypass surgery-related bleeding, and even fatal and life-threatening bleeding. And as a result, the effect on overall mortality was neutral. Now, then comes in this new drug, ticagrelor. And ticagrelor is an ADP antagonist, but it's a non-thionopyridine agent. It works differently. And it is non-reversibly binds to and inhibits ADP-induced platelet activation. And this has several important features. Number one, it's also more potent than is clopidogrel, and it overcomes most instances of clopidogrel hyporesponsiveness. It's more rapid-acting than is clopidogrel, similar to prasugrel, but it has a significantly faster offset of action in like two to three days, as opposed to five to seven days or even 10 days. And therefore, if a patient does develop a bleeding episode or needs to go to surgery, at least it's more rapid to be able to restore normal hemostatic function. So in the PLATO trial, this was a large double-blind randomized trial of approximately 18,500 patients with acute coronary syndromes who were all given a background of aspirin and then were randomized to either clopidogrel or to ticagrelor. And what was found in this trial was that similar to prasugrel in the Triton trial, the rates of myocardial infarction were reduced and the rates of stent thrombosis were reduced with the more potent agent. There also was an increase in non-bypass surgery-related bleeding, similar to the more potent agent Prasugrel. But that's kind of where the differences ended. And overall, major fatal bleeding and life-threatening bleeding was not increased. 
And therefore, this major effect on reducing myocardial infarction and stent thrombosis was able to be translated into an overall mortality benefit. And at the end of a year, there was an approximate 20% reduction in mortality in patients treated with aspirin and ticagrelor instead of aspirin and clopidogrel. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Alfred Beauvais. Our guest is Dr. Greg Stone, Professor of Medicine, Director of Research and Education at the Center for Interventional Vascular Therapy at Columbia University Medical Center and Director of Medical Research and Education at the Cardiovascular Research Foundation in New York City. We're discussing antiplatelet therapies for patients with acute coronary syndrome. So, Greg, it looks to me like we now have three of the more modern oral antiplatelet drugs, and it's quite exciting because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, inhibiting platelets is one of the key goals in managing an acute coronary syndrome, both during the acute phase and in the subsequent time to prevent stent thrombosis and bypass graft thrombosis, for that matter. Is there a disadvantage to ticagrelor at this point from the standpoint of using it in the acute phase or even longer term? Well, the only disadvantages are that it's a BID dosing as opposed to once-a-day dosing. We don't yet know the price of the drug. It's not yet approved by the FDA. It's currently going through the regulatory process. I think the anticipation is uh, with a 20% mortality reduction, it will be approved, but we don't know the price, so there may be an increase in price. And BID dosing, of course, can lead to some compliance issues. Some patients will get dyspnea when they take this drug, and we also saw it with a similar type of agent called Cangrelor, and it's probably because it blocks reuptake of ATP, and that's usually transient and is usually not severe. Some rare patients may get increased in uric acid, so there's some other things we have to look at. But in general, I think it's going to be a well-tolerated drug, and for all but patients who have a very, very high propensity of bleeding who maybe would benefit by a less potent drug, I suspect that this agent will become the new standard of care in acute coronary syndromes. Right now, it's interesting because, as you mentioned earlier also, there's some variability in platelet responsiveness to the thionopyridines, and it sounds to me like ticagrelor won't have this kind of problem. So it's a drug that might be used when you know there's some clopidogrel unresponsiveness, for example. I think that is true. I think we don't have, you know, the complete or as in-depth a picture of its pharmacodynamic actions as we do with Prasagrel. From most of the data we have, it appears to be approximately as potent as is Prasagrel, so it will overcome most of the cases of platelet hyporesponsiveness. And of course, it's also, again, being a reversible agent, if you do have somebody who bleeds, then you can just stop taking it, and at least within a couple days, the platelet function will be back to normal. If you're anticipating that the therapy is going to be surgery, I guess this might be your first choice of drug going into the management of a patient with acute coronary syndrome. Yeah, I think if you have a very, very strong belief that you're going to perform surgery, then probably you wouldn't give any of these drugs because even with this drug, you have to wait two or three days for its offset of action where you could be confident you could go into surgery without an increased risk of bleeding. But for most patients, when we go into the cath lab not knowing the coronary anatomy, in general, six out of 10 patients, we end up doing angioplasty. One out of 10 patients get surgery, and three out of 10 patients get medical therapy. And that's with non-ST segment elevation MI. With ST segment elevation MI, it's more than nine out of 10 will get angioplasty. So for the vast majority of patients, there does seem to be a clear benefit to preloading, and we would recommend that this drug be given upfront in the emergency room as soon as possible, as per ACCHA recommendations. 
it sounds to me like if surgery was going to be the choice after preloading, that you have a three-day delay rather than a seven- or eight-day delay. And I'm sure the surgeons like that. Absolutely. So if we've got the data from Plato, is there anything else that we need to know? You mentioned some of the longer-term effects and so on, but what other studies might you predict ought to be done with Ticagrelor so we can get it as a standard of care in one of our oral antiplatelet agents? Plato, I believe, was really a pretty definitive study. And for this indication for non-ST segment elevation MI and STEMI, so 18,500 patients, placebo-controlled or at least active-controlled randomized trial showing a 20% reduction in mortality, about 107 deaths prevented. And so I think that's very unlikely to be due to chance. Really, what I see as the next opportunity for an agent like this is to be able to extend its use outside of the realm of acute coronary syndromes. And there's no reason to think that in patients with stable ischemic heart disease undergoing a PCI, for example, that this would reduce periprocedural and long-term myocardial infarction as well as stent thrombosis. But that's a different indication. It's the platelet activation is not quite as intense, and so it certainly needs to be developed in a randomized trial. But I would expect that to be positive as well, and hopefully either we or somebody can interest the manufacturer in that significant study. Yeah, I think the usual behavior is to look at the use of this drug in an acute situation. But as you know, long-term antiplatelet therapy post-stent placement is one of the important goals for our sort of management of patients with coronary disease. So this looks like over the long term, we're going to be needing a longer term trial looking at late stent thrombosis and so on with Ticagrelor compared to some of the other drugs. Because I see this again as one of the choices that we'll have for oral long-term therapy. And as you know, I mean, right now we recommend after stent implantation, everybody gets at least a year of clopidogrel to reduce stent thrombosis. And you would anticipate that ticagrelor would be more effective in that regard. And in addition, there's just the concept of patients with either multiple cardiac risk factors and primary prevention or with established cardiovascular, peripheral vascular disease, et cetera, for secondary prevention. That was kind of tested in the Charisma trial with clopidogrel. And while that wasn't a positive trial overall, that is aspirin and clopidogrel being more effective than aspirin alone in just high-risk patients for multi-year long-term care. There was a suggestion that in the highest-risk patients, that was beneficial. And I would imagine that ticagrelor would have even more of a beneficial role in that regard as well, but that needs to be proven in another randomized trial. Right. Thanks, Greg. So it looks like once approved, ticagrelor is going to be one of our oral medications in the armamentarium we have for managing long-term coronary disease. So we've been talking with Dr. Greg Stone about antiplatelet therapies for patients with acute coronary syndromes. Dr. Stone, thank you for being our guest. It's my pleasure, Fred. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.